0: Good morning. Good morning, welcome, glad that you are here. If you're a guest of ours, we are especially honored to have you with us. Listen, here's something you need to do sometime in, your, um, in the future of your church attendance. You need to work it out so you can sit by Keith Starks while he sings. And this guy sings with joy, and I love to be around people who love to worship and... Uh, and uh, If you can pull that off, you will be encouraged by sitting by Keith. I I appreciate his heart and his love for God and his love for leading us. Not just that he can sing so well, but he's so joyful when he when he does it. I heard about a a a couple young couple came back from their first date. The boy walks the little young girl up to her front porch. The lights are off, and he kind of leans against the door frame, puts a little bit of swag on, you know, and he says, "Listen." How about a goodnight kiss before I leave? And she says, oh, no, I couldn't kiss you here on my front porch. It'd be too embarrassing. She says, why, the lights are all off, your parents are asleep, no one will know. No, I just couldn't risk it. I mean, if someone saw me, I would die of embarrassment. Who's going to see us? I mean, there's no one on the street. You know, the house is quiet. Come on, just a quick kiss. She says, listen, I can't. It's just it's too nerve-wracking. I couldn't. But I had such a good time tonight. Just a quick kiss, and I'll be on my way. Well, I had a good time tonight too, but, but no, I, I just couldn't kiss you here in my porch. Please, just a quick kiss. At which point the lights come on. The door opens. The girl's sister is standing there in her pajamas, her hair's all over her head. She's obviously just rolled out of bed. She said, Dad said, go ahead and kiss him. Or I'll go ahead and kiss him. Or if you'd rather dad said he would come down and do it himself. But for crying out loud, tell him to get his hand off the intercom button. <laughs> you know, there are some things that we, would, that we would love people to find out about us, right? There's some things that we do that we're fine with people knowing about. You can announce it. You can tell people that's great. And then there's some other things that sometimes we do. We don't necessarily want everyone to know. Sometimes we do things and it might be embarrassing or even humiliating. And if we could, we would just keep it to ourselves. Things that sometimes we think maybe we can keep private, become public. and, And that's not the greatest thing sometimes. Today, we're going to take a look at one man's story. And I'm going to tell you right up front, it is a story of faith, and it's a story of doubt. It's a story of hope, and it's a story of despair. It's a story that will make you smile, it'll make you feel good, and it'll also make you scratch your head and think, what in the world is going on here? It's a story of heartbreak. It's a story of patience. It's a story of redemption, but more than anything else, it's a love story. It is one of the most beautiful, saddest, strangest love stories you'll find anywhere in literature, let alone Scripture. This morning we're going back to the Old Testament. And we're going to go to the first three chapters of the book of Hosea. George mentioned when he welcomed that he had, he said, Tim's got an interesting lesson on Hosea. He doesn't know what the lesson's about. He just knows it's going to be interesting. Because Hosea is an interesting story. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to the first uh, chapter of the book of Hosea. Again, one of the strangest, ugliest, most beautiful stories in all of Scripture. It is the story of a relentless love. For a broken bride. And let me give you a little bit of context while you're finding the book of Hosea because it's going to take you a while to find it. We don't go to that book very often. It's going to be that section of your Bible where the pages are all still stuck together. Just go there. You'll find it. It's right after the book of Daniel, right before the book of Joel. Hosea is what we call one of the minor prophets, and that is not a designation of importance. It's a designation of length. There are 12 minor prophets. The reason we call them the minor prophets is because they're shorter books than the five books of major prophecy. It's the book of Hosea. It's only 14 chapters long. You can easily read it in one setting. It was written to Israel in the 8th century B.C. One other note, with the exception of the book of Job, most Bible scholars... Think that the book of Hosea is the most difficult book to translate and to understand. I don't know when the last time is that you read the book of Hosea. I suspect it's been a while. But taken as a whole, it's a difficult book to understand. But for this morning, we're just going to focus on the first three chapters of Hosea. And in the first three chapters, we find a story that is indeed hard to understand. Now, the story itself isn't hard to understand. We can, we can figure out what happens, but why it happens and how it happens is really hard to wrap our minds around. By the way, if I were to ask you right now, what's the book of Hosea about? I suspect most of you would answer, mm, not sure, I can't remember. Which is okay. Trust me, that's okay. It's a legitimate answer, because like I said, we're not there very often. But for those of you who would have an answer of what the book of Hosea is about... I almost guarantee your answer would be the part that's found in the first three chapters of the book of Hosea. Which again, works out okay for us because that's the part of the book we're focusing on this morning. Just the first three chapters. And actually, those first three chapters really do make up the backbone of the entire book. You can't understand the entire book unless you really understand not just the what, but the why of the first three chapters. In fact, I'll go a step farther. I think if you really want to understand God, you have to understand what happens in the first three chapters of this little book of Hosea. We're going to see God teaching Israel and teaching us some very important lessons. And these are not uh, Reader's Digest moments in the book of Hosea. These are lessons that take a long time to teach. and It's going to take a long time to play out. Each of these three chapters, the first three chapters, has a setting, centers on a location. And each location is going to tell us something different about God. The setting for chapter 1 is a chapel. The setting for chapter 2, unfortunately, is a brothel. The setting for chapter 3 is a marketplace. Now, in no way are we going to kind of mine all the nuggets that are in this story, but I want to at least share the basics of this story with you this morning and maybe try to find out what God's trying to tell us today. So, Hosea chapter 1. I hope you found it by now. If you haven't found it by now, you're probably not going to find it. So, you can read along on the the slide, I guess. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, He said to him, Right off the bat, we find out Hosea is a prophet. A prophet you know is someone who speaks on God's behalf. Speaks the message that God wants him to speak. So God is about to give Hosea the message. What does He want Hosea to do? What does He want Hosea to say? What is the message from God to the prophet Hosea? Here it is. Go and marry a prostitute. So some of her children will be born to you from other men. Now most of you in here know your Bible pretty well. But if you have never read the book of Hosea, or if you don't know that story, that message from God, you probably didn't see coming. You probably didn't expect God to say that. And I got a feeling Hosea didn't expect that message from God. Remember last week we talked about Jeremiah and God said, go down to the potter's house and watch him work. Go smash some clay pots and I'll tell you what it means. This is a whole nother level of commitment that he's calling Hosea to. Go marry a prostitute so some of her children will be born to you from other men. Why? Why would God tell Hosea to do such a thing? This will illustrate the way my people have been untrue to me, openly committing adultery against the Lord. How? How do God's people commit adultery against Him? He tells us. By worshiping other gods. So the story of Hosea begins with a wedding. And this has been the subject of such debate over the years because what God tells Hosea to do seems so wrong. Go marry a prostitute. Go marry someone who has been with other men and who will be with other men. And what God is saying to Hosea is, Hosea, I want your life to be a living parable of my love. I want your marriage to be a symbol of my relationship with my people. So Hosea, I want you to go out and I want you to marry a woman who is going to be unfaithful. And I want you to marry a woman who is going to be untrue to you. I want you to marry a woman that you cannot trust. Because Hosea, you and I, we're tied together in this thing from here forward. Ralph Waldo Emerson observed that the entire world loves a lover. And if he's right, if the entire world loves a lover, then the book of Hosea ought to be one of the best love books in all of Scripture because this is a love story for the ages. And it's a love story that, that people have been using this template for, for for centuries as far as writing interesting, tragic stories. I mean, for all people, for all time, we can sort of relate to this. It's a story of a, a broken vow, a broken home, a broken heart, broken life. And everybody can relate to that on some level, right? But then also, it's such a unique story. It's so different that God is choosing this sad, sordid tale of a broken-hearted prophet to teach us something about His love and to demonstrate His grace. God says, Hosea, you and I, We're going to completely give our hearts, we're going to completely give our attention and our love to people who will utterly reject us. Who will betray us. Who will cheat on us. Who will break our hearts. Your relationship, Hosea, with your wife is going to mirror, it's going to reflect my relationship with my people. I am just like a husband whose wife has been unfaithful to me which is staggering to me. know, there are so many metaphors that the Bible uses to describe God to us. God is like a shield. God is like a stone. God is like a, a consuming fire. God is like a shepherd. God is like a judge. In the book of Hosea, we learn God is like a husband whose wife has left him for another man. That's what God is like. All the pain, all the hurt, all the anguish, all the suffering that comes with something like that. The lesson of Hosea is that's what God experiences when we sin against Him, when we turn away from Him. Now, usually we think of our sin kind of in terms of us, right? what it does to us. But in the book of Hosea, that telescope gets turned around and we get a glimpse, just just a glimpse of how our sin affects God. God suffers when we sin. God's heart is broken when we sin. And I don't know if you've ever really thought of that before. How much our sin affects God. The same hurt The same betrayal. God has the same heartbreaking disappointment that my wife would have if she found out that I've been unfaithful to her. That's how God feels when we sin against Him. So God tells Hosea, go marry an adulterous woman. And almost unbelievably to me, He does. He goes and marries a woman by the name of Gomer. He does exactly what God has told him to do. Chapter 1, there is a chapel and there is a wedding. He marries Gomer who is indeed a prostitute. And Hosea knows it, by the way. He knows who Gomer is. He knows what Gomer is. He knows the type of woman she is. And he knows when I marry this woman, my credibility... um, My reputation, my heart, my life, it is all going to take a major hit. I mean, everybody's going to know. And this is going to cost me dearly, on a lot of levels, in a lot of ways. And he also knows what it means to have the burden of loving someone. I mean, you know that. When you really love someone, you're vulnerable. I mean, you just sort of open up your heart, right? You focus on someone else instead of yourself. You're thinking about someone else's well-being, not just yourself. If you're a parent in here today, you certainly know that. When you have a child, you have a choice to make. Am I going to give up my agenda and my schedule and my wants and, and, and you know my lifestyle and focus on this child? Because if I do that, the child will be blessed. Or, am I going to focus on myself, my agenda, my sleep patterns, my energy, my you know my uh, daily schedule, the way I spend my money like I've always spent it, the way I spend my time like I've always spent my time, am I going to do that? And this child won't be blessed? I'll have the child grow up with Some issues and probably some dysfunctionality. You got a choice to make when you have a child. You can keep your freedom and the child will suffer, or you can give up your freedom and the child will be blessed. God was teaching sacrificial love long before Jesus showed up on the earth. And this story found in the book of Hosea certainly is a story of Hosea's sacrificial love. That's chapter one, scene one. It's a wedding. The scene shifts to chapter 2, a brothel. In chapter 2, sure enough, Gomer leaves Hosea just like everybody knew she would. She leaves her husband, goes back to the adulterous lifestyle that she'd had. And we read of Israel's actions that that mirror the actions of Gomer. In chapter 2, verse 4, For their mother is a shameless prostitute became pregnant in a shameful way. She said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and drink, for clothing of wool and linen and for olive oil. Gomer has left Hosea. She's left him for someone else. Someone else who doesn't love her. Someone else who's not going to provide for her. Someone else who's going to be abusive to her. And one of the ironic things about this story, when you read it, Once Gomer leaves Hosea, Hosea actually keeps providing for her. He keeps making sure that her needs are met while she's with someone else. and She doesn't even know it. And we think a couple things. One, what man would do that? What man would continue to love a woman who has treated him that way? Not just love her, but he's still providing for her. He's still making sure that her needs are met. Now, I'd think that. What kind of guy would do that? And then I'd think, what kind of woman would do that? What kind of woman would take that kind of love and just trample on that man's heart? And trample on that man's life? Now, how could she be so cruel? How could she be so careless? But remember, this marriage is a microcosm of God and His people. It is a living parable. And really, we're sort of forced to ask ourselves if the same isn't true with us and our relationship with God. If someone sees Hosea in the street and they say, Hosea, how can a holy, righteous man like you love a sinful, adulterous woman like that? And Hosea says, I'm glad you asked because now I have the answer. How could a holy, righteous God love a sinful, selfish, adulterous people like us? That's the message that God's trying to convey in the book of Hosea. God's message is, we are all spiritual adulterers. We are Gomer in this story. Make sure you understand. That's just the truth about us. But here's the amazing thing. Hosea knew the truth about Gomer. And He still loved her. He still pursued her. God knows the truth about us. He still loves us. He still cares for us. He still pursues us. Knowing exactly who we are. What we've done. I think some of the most beautiful words that you'll find anywhere in Scripture are found in the second chapter of Hosea. Chapter 2, verse 14. It's, I think, my favorite part of the story after all the drama, after the marriage that never should have happened, after Gomer's return to wickedness, which everyone knew was going to happen, notice what's said. Hosea 2.14 So I'm going to take her into the desert again, and there I'll win her back with words of love. I will take her into the desert again, and I will win her back with words of love. If you're a husband... And your wife treated you the way Gomer treated Hosea. You might want to take her into the desert, <laughs> but I doubt it would be to win her back with words of love, but that's what God does. God wants to speak words of love to the people who turned his back on to the, who turned their back on him. God wants to speak words of love tenderly to people he's trying to bring back to Himself. You might be reading a version that says, I'll win her back by speaking to her heart. Now sometimes we convince ourselves, well, God isn't after me like that. Because I know who I am. I'm like the girl on the front porch. I don't want anyone else to know. But I know who I am. I know what I've done. I know my sin. I, I, I know my lifestyle. I will win her back by speaking to her heart. In spite of everything that Gomer has done, in spite of everything that we have done, it's God's desire to win us back by speaking tenderly to our hearts. That's chapter 2. Chapter 3 is the marketplace. And in chapter 3, this strange story actually gets stranger. Look at verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Go and get your wife again. Bring her back to you and love her, even though she loves adultery. For the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods offering them choice gifts. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and about 5 bushels of barley and a measure of wine. In chapter 3, Hosea goes and buys back his wife. Now, we're not exactly sure why it is that, Ho- or that Gomer has a for sale sign on her right here. But she does. What we do know is the price that Hosea paid for Gomer is about the going price for a slave in that day. So I think it's pretty safe to say that Gomer has hit rock bottom. I mean, she is as low as she possibly could be. Now think about if you were Gomer. Gomer. And you are having the worst day of your life. You are being sold as a slave. And someone says, okay, you've been purchased. Someone bought you. Really? Okay, who? That guy standing over there. And you look and it's Hosea. It's your husband. And wouldn't you think, how could he do that? How could that man still love me? How could that man still want me? How is it possible, after what I've done, that he could still claim me? And by the way, Hosea makes it very clear, I am redeeming you, I'm buying you back, not as a slave, but as my wife. It's a very public transaction. Hosea gets in front of everyone And he very publicly displays his love for this adulterous woman, who he still is considering and calling his wife. So, what happens next? Does does Gomer finally come to her senses? Do they work through all this mess and live happily ever after? Does she go back to the lifestyle that she keeps going back to? What happens next? You don't know, do you? I don't know either. We don't know because the Bible doesn't say what happens next. I would love to know what happens next, but the Bible doesn't say. And really, when you think about it, the question isn't, how did Gomer respond to that kind of love? What happened to Gomer? That's really not the question that we need to ask ourselves. The question we need to ask ourselves is, how do I respond to that kind of love? Not, what is Gomer going to do next? The question is, what am I going to do next? Because we've been shown a far greater love than Hosea showed to Gomer. And we've been bought back. We have been redeemed. Not with 15 pieces of silver, but with the blood of Christ. You know First Peter chapter 1 For it's not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And the question for us, and I think the question God wants us to ask is, how do I respond to that kind of love? How do I respond to Jesus' message of sin and grace and hope? How are we going to respond to that level of love? Because again, we're Gomer. In this story, understand, we are Gomer. We're the ones who have over and over again turned our back on the one who has loved us so completely and so consistently. We are the ones who have trampled on the love that has been shown to us. Even after we've been redeemed, we still continue to do that. And yet, He continues to lead us into the desert and speak to us words of love. Even after all we have done to God, He continues to seek us and to speak tenderly to our hearts. Let me share with you one more passage from this story before we wrap up. By the way, it's a great little book. You need to, you need to uh, read it sometime. After the first three chapters, it does get a little deep, but it's still good stuff. But in chapter 2, God's explaining this living parable, uh, and we read this statement, verse 19 I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as Lord. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally. Know me as Lord. Through this Old Testament story, one that we very rarely talk about, one that we hardly ever read, God is speaking to you. And I think He's speaking to you this morning. Again, this parable, this living parable, this story, it's a true story, but this thing that God has asked Hosea to do and Hosea does. Hosea is a representation of God, but again, and I don't mean to be offensive, But we're the representation of Gomer. In the story, we're Gomer. And God says, I will show you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. And His promise remains, I'll be faithful to you and make you mine. And you'll finally know me as Lord. And I'll ask again, how do you respond to that kind of love? How do you respond to that kind of love? Knowing who we are, Understanding who God is, how do you respond? I think you respond by making Him Lord. Is Jesus Lord? Absolutely. If you don't hear anything else this morning, understand this. Jesus is Lord. I can answer that question. Here's a question I can't answer. Is Jesus your Lord? I can't answer that question any more than I can answer what happens to Gomer? Your spouse can't answer that question for you. Your children, your parents, you know, the person that knows you the best, they can't answer that question for you. You have to answer that question. Is Jesus your Lord? He's paid a tremendous price to redeem you in a very public way. Not with silver and gold, but with His own blood. And He is speaking tenderly to your heart. He's calling you back. He's calling you home. I have no doubt that this morning He's speaking tenderly to your heart if you'll listen. Why don't you come back? Why don't you come home? Why don't you make Him your Lord? The church family, if we can help you in any way, there'll be some people the front of the auditorium. You can meet us there if we can do anything with you or for you. Let's stand and sing.